I was really excited about starting uh, the new year by preaching uh, this time. And uh, my wife said, are you, are you sure you want to be preparing a sermon between Christmas and New Year's? And I said, yeah, I would love to. I think the Lord has uh, something uh, to say uh, through me today. And so I'm excited about that. And it's, it's always a really, uh, it's a good thing to do this uh, for me because uh, you know, it, it may not seem like it sometimes, but every time I uh, preach, I get in touch with my weakness again. Um, just uh, sometimes it's fear, uh, sometimes it's fear of rejection, sometimes it's uh, uh, fear uh, or anxiety about saying the right things, but I get in touch with that weakness again, and so that's always a challenge. It's something I don't necessarily look forward to. I usually, uh, it catches me by surprise. I don't know why it should, but it does. Uh, but I do feel a certain amount of stress connected with uh, preaching a sermon, preparing it. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I thought it would be good this morning if we all took a stress test. Uh, so that we'll just start up. And, and uh, this stress test is uh, really, it comes out of California, uh, and it is a picture. You, you look at it, and uh, it's a picture of two dolphins. Um, and it's a, it's a scene from the ocean. I think it's from San Diego. And so there's been some research on this. Uh, suggesting that uh, when you see this uh, scene, if you see, uh, if you see something other than two dolphins, then you're really under a lot of stress. Would you picture, uh, throw the picture up there? <laughs> so you you might you might need now not you know uh, some people see two cows, uh, but yeah, you can go ahead and take it down. So uh, you know. We're, you know, t- I, I think stress is something that we, we all are uh, struggling with. And uh, when, we, when we come to God, when we seek ministry, um, we really are, uh, or the help that we need in prayer, when we come down to the front and we ask people to pray uh, for us or maybe go to listening prayer, uh, we really are declaring our weakness at that time and, and our need at the moment. And it is at that precise moment that God's love is finding us, is finding me and finding you. And I love that song, uh, Be Lifted Up, uh, that uh, he is love, he is the love that always finds me. And uh, that, that is going to be a theme for this morning. And uh, also the, the earlier song uh, at the beginning on, about the baptism of Jesus, and that's important. I, I didn't plan these songs, didn't suggest them, but these, first of all, my message is, is really about God's love finding us, and that's going to be a repeated theme, and the, the second thing is it's focused on the baptism of Jesus. I'm talking about the central event today, and we're introducing a sermon series called Back to the Future, and, uh, and the sermon series really is about uh, organizing our lives and, and uh, uh, finding those places in our lives where we can find God's strength. And sometimes we, what we need to do is we need to project ourselves into the future that God has for us and to think about that future. And then we come back into the present moment and we see what we, what we must 
do, what we, how we must live in order for that future uh, that God wants for us to, to happen. And so there is a certain sense in which we live back to the future. And so uh, it, it is true that God's love is always finding me, and I know God's love is finding you. Always finding me, however, in the most, in my, mostly in my moments of weakness. And what that means is that I'm getting more and more t- in touch with God's love, but at the same time, I'm also getting more and more in touch with my weakness. Now, that doesn't mean that God's love doesn't find us in our strength. It does. It finds us when things are going great, and, uh, and that's, that's good. But, uh, you know, many of our testimonies seem to have the same uh, sort of common features. We are looking for a father's love from our dads, and most of us never found it. Um, you know, I, I always wanted my dad to take me up and, and to say, Yancey, you're my son, and I love you, and I like you. Um, but he wasn't, he, you know, he's wonderful in a lot of different ways. But he never said that to me. And I don't know if he's capable of saying it. He may be capable of saying it today. Uh, my dad was a strong and successful man. And he wanted me to be strong and successful too. And so uh, <clears throat> I learned that I needed to be uh, strong if I was going to receive approval for, for, from him. And he didn't really tolerate weakness very much. And so I would try to do my best at being strong, as strong as possible, because whenever I was weak, my father would get upset at me. And that built up a core belief inside me that said, you must be strong to receive love. And if you fail to be strong, the fear of rejection in that core could be overwhelming. And that was the way I was built, and of course, it affected my spiritual life as well. So, there was constructed with me this, within me this determination to be strong for Jesus as well. I grew up in a Christian family, and, uh, and uh, always involved at some time, some, in some way, even in my teenage years in ministry. And, uh, and I was, you know, really trying to... I think now looking back on it, somehow I I thought that by being strong in faith and strong in Jesus, uh, strong in things that I did for Jesus, that I would be worthy or earn the love that I was looking for. And so at the end of 10 years on the mission field, I was pretty burned out. And um, by that time, a series of, of events in our family uh, created the opportunity, or the, actually it was the need, for us to return to the States and to have a change in career. And that left me, once again, in a, in a very deep uh, place of weakness and a surprisingly deep place of weakness. And uh, even before we left Argentina, I had dreams that uh, we would be homeless and uh, and that uh, and dreams and fears would seize me, and and I had um, panic attacks. I'd wake up in the middle of the night with 
with my heart racing and cold sweats. And, and out of that uh, time when we returned, uh, and that, that fear didn't go away, it just increased over time. Uh, we, we came back and the church provided six months of very gracious support for us as we tried to find our way. And I was uh, very confused in many ways. I was working for uh, Abilene Christian University. I was teaching, uh, but for not very much money, a dollar a year and plus benefits, uh, So, which meant I needed to raise my support. I was very unsuccessful as a support raiser. And uh, so, you know, in that sense of failure at, at support raising, and at the end of the six months, um, I, I had neither, we, we had gone around to different churches to, to try out Ming preaching, see if we could, uh, you know, fit into the church that we had uh, left, and, and it really wasn't working, and we were at a crisis point, and it was at that time that the Lord led me to a man named Stan Shoemaker, and that's a whole nother story. Some of you may have heard that story. It's an amazing story. God met me in an amazing way. <clears throat> but the, the long and the short of it is that the Stan, who ran a, a, uh, a cleaning service, gave me a job as a janitor. And he also became the, he was a, running a, this cleaning service, and, and he gave me um, a gift, and that gift was to be a channel of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so at times of great weakness and great insecurity, great anxiety, he would pray over me and, and pray that anxiety away. Um, so uh, time, time passed, and, and the Lord met me, and then he met my wife in, in a powerful way. We we were powerfully touched by the Spirit over the, over the next months and years, and that really changed our lives um, to the extent that in 1998, after several years, we moved our family out to Sweetwater and, and planted a church, and we began to see signs and wonders. Um, people healed, um, uh, drug addicts uh, turned from their life of, of self-destruction into fruitful life in the kingdom. We saw signs and wonders uh, in, in many ways. One, one lady, for example, uh, uh, received, she, she had a porcelain, she had porcelain caps in her head and her face and, and her teeth, and she received a, a beautiful gold uh, crown. You, you look at me like I don't, you don't believe that. Yeah, I didn't believe it either. And uh, and there it was. She, her dentist didn't believe it either, and she went back with the, the bill, and, and he confirmed he had not given her porcelain. He had given her uh, gold, and there it was. And so it was just amazing uh, kinds of things. And um, out of all, the, all of that, though, <clears throat> as we were planting this church, we really didn't know what we were doing. Um, and what we did know that we needed to do was to pray. And so we would... Uh, get up every morning and go to the church building. I, I, we'd go at 6 o'clock in the morning and pray. And, uh, and people began to gather around us and pray with us. And that was the, the core of that church, and it began to grow. And now it's a thriving, powerful church in, in Sweetwater, Texas. And we're, we're just really glad that again and again, God, the, the Lord, the Father, found us in our weakness. So... Uh, where am I going with all of this? 
in our current lives here as well, uh, we, you know, we have gotten in touch with our weakness over and over again. The past two years have been probably some of the most anxiety-filled years that we have lived in our lives. Uh, great fears, great uh, uh, sometimes what seem to be failings, and we've had difficulties in finances and uh, uh, with the welfare of our loved ones, that's our family and our closest friends have sometimes created a lot of anxiety. We've had health scares uh, and uh, responsibilities at work that have been increasing and greater loads that have brought more anxiety, and the welfare of the church have brought anxiety at times, sometimes sleepless nights. And uh, in all of these cases, we've, over and over, the Lord has met us again and again, and His love has found us again and again in that weakness. In each of these areas, so the, the Lord, God's love finds us in moments of strength and in stretches of time when we're doing well and running on all cylinders, but most of the time, you and I are really quite weak. We need love to find us in our weakness. Anticipate, we need to anticipate, and that's the, probably the big rock for the year 2016. This is the, the big idea today. We need to learn to anticipate weakness and anticipate the kindness from God that comes in those moments. Some of the best advice I've ever received was to be prepared for times of weakness and periods of extreme difficulty. And it's one of the reasons why Jamie repeats over and over again this need for us to spend time with the Lord, to find that time every day, to spend time with the Lord, to get into the presence of Jesus, to get quiet enough to hear God say those words, I love you and I'm pleased with you. So, uh, so what that does is it's not that it gives us sort of brownie points with God and, you know, earning a new level of something or whatever. It is that we are training for those moments of weakness and difficulty so that we can learn to respond in those moments of weakness or those periods of weakness and periods of, I wish they were moments sometimes, periods of anxiety. What do we do? Well, uh, you know, this is, this is the uh, season of Epiphany in the Christian calendar. And Epiphany, if you don't know it, is the 12 days of Christmas. So it's the 12 days after Christmas. Today is the ninth day. And uh, Wednesday will be the 6th of January, which is known as King's Day or Epiphany Day. And during this time, the church typically, uh, in the, the Orthodox Church, the Catholic Church, and the churches that... Uh, Protestant churches that uh, use the Christian calendar remember the incarnation. They remember especially the baptism of Jesus, which is one of the reasons I thought it was remarkable we sang about the baptism today. And uh, the baptism of Jesus reminds us again of what God did in Christ and what He is doing for us and with us. And I'd like for us to focus today on Mark, 9, Mark 1, 9 through 11. So if you have Bible, a Bible with pages to rustle, go ahead and rustle the pages. If you have uh, you know, an electronic uh, means of reading, go ahead and find your place. 
and I'll read the passage. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. In essence, the, the, the passage means, according to some, this, this last word, according to some scholars, I love you and I like you. So Jesus, at that moment, was found by love. And there is a sequence to being found by love. First is that Jesus was standing in a place of weakness at his baptism. In the incarnation, there is a movement from strength to weakness, from heaven to earth. What do I mean? Before the incarnation, Jesus was the eternal Son seated with His Father and the Holy Spirit from eternity in full strength, full glory. In the incarnation, the Word of God leaves heaven and becomes a man. John says He became flesh. And the incarnation is a movement from strength to weakness. He is in human weakness here on earth and not in His divine glory, His divine glorious strength in heaven. He is in His weakness because He is now human, a physical, mortal body with brain and nerves and bones and muscles a human body that is already in the life process moving toward death, like all our bodies. He is in the human condition, just like us. He is like us in all ways, tempted in all ways, a brother just like us, weak in all ways, but without sin. He could feel hurt. He could be tired. He could be injured. And that's a difficult thing for us to grasp sometimes, to fully understand. In fact, I think that there's something in us that, that tries to uh, fight against us, fight, fight against that idea. We want to minimize the humanity of Jesus somehow. And part of it is that we're not comfortable with our own humanity and uh, we think there's something wrong with humanity and so we want to minimize humanity in Jesus. In fact, one of the early theologians, I think, really got it wrong. His name was Origen. And uh, he said that Jesus... Sorry, not Origen, it was Clement. It was Clement. And uh, he said Jesus was only delicately and lightly touched the human condition in such a way that He said, he didn't eat much. In fact, uh, we can hardly even say in Scripture, according to Clement, that uh, he he didn't defecate at all. There's no place in the Bible where it says it. So if he did, it was probably just something little that couldn't even be... Well, that's just silly. 
Jesus was fully human, and you let your mind think what that means. We often forget that that uh, we see Jesus in his human weakness on display in the Gospels, and we see his humanity portrayed in his death, how he felt pain, how his body suffered, and we can recognize that he had the same humanity at his baptism as well. He was that kind of a man then, and he had a full set of human emotional needs, and he could feel all the range of human emotions. He could feel love and joy and peace, and he could also feel rejection and betrayal. You ever feel betrayal? He could feel betrayal that came into his life. He could feel stress. He could feel anxiety. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we see him filled with stress and filled with anxiety, facing stark fear. He is a human being in human weakness. And from that humanity, he is going to conduct his ministry. And there at his baptism, he is saying yes to his three years of ministry. He knows the highs that are ahead and he knows the lows. He will be rejected, he will be betrayed, he will die, and he knows it. And in his humanity, in that weakness, he is saying yes to it. And he has all the emotions of what it means to say yes to what lies ahead. Most biblical commentators will say that he had a need to receive affirmation from the Father at that point. Now, Jesus was aware of his need and of his humanity. He knew that the Messiah had to be anointed with the Spirit, and he knew that he needed the anointing of the Spirit in his humanity. He was in touch with his weakness. And as a man, as a grown man, he had the need for love. He not only had the need for love that would come from an earthly father, But he was in a place where he too needed to experience the love of a heavenly father in his humanity. And out of that need, he prays. Now, this is a detail that a lot of people miss and fail to recognize. But in Luke's account of the baptism, when Jesus comes out of the water, he stops and he prays. Out of his need, he prays. And what was he asking for? We see what he was asking for when we see the answer that came from heaven. He was asking for power, and he was asking for love in his human need. And that is exactly what he receives. He is found by that love in his weakness. He is found in his weakness. And that is the beginning of the movement. And for us, the beginning is also learning how to stand in our weakness and how to stand 
in our weakness with Jesus. We are weak in so many ways. There are so many things in life that make us not strong. Not strong enough to earn love. Not strong enough to maintain love. There are too many things that make us weak. And our greatest resolutions and plans are undermined so often by our sinful nature. Every time we sin, it breaks us and we are weak. Every time we are sinned against, it breaks us and we are weak. You can't be strong enough to earn love. It has to find you. And then there is suffering as well. When we physically suffer, we, and when we relationally suffer, emotionally suffer, it breaks us and we are weak. Just as in ministry, when we serve, when we give and give and give, all of a sudden we get in touch with our weakness again. And we don't have enough to give. And we run out of what we have to give. And we feel need. And we get spent. And that's why renewals in the Spirit are needed. That's why they happen. I remember a renewal in the Spirit in 1994 broke out. It was called the Laughing Revival. And I thought, oh, that's crazy. Until in a meeting, the Spirit touched me and I laughed for over half an hour until my sides hurt. What was God doing? He was renewing. He was refreshing. We get spent and we need. And what I'm realizing is that all of us have a core, essential need for a love that comes from God, that can come from nowhere else. And we are perpetually weak in that need. There is not one moment in your life that you are not dependent in the need of this divine love that finds us in our weakness. We have a need for God the Father to love us constantly. I remember when the Father met, found us in that revelation back way, way, way back in in 1994... We just returned from Argentina, just returned from the mission field, and, and uh, there was revival breaking out in the church we were a part of, and the, the Holy Spirit was moving in a powerful way, and I was hearing about the love of God the Father in ways I'd never heard before, and it was, it was changing me. And so I remember one day, I walked into the kitchen after a long day's work, and Lynette was in the kitchen, and she had... Uh, Dennis Jernigan music on that that dates me that's a long time ago and uh, just beautiful music about God's love and she was just standing there and just caught up in the worship and I stood with her and we embraced and we wept and she looked at me and she said Yancey is it is it right for us to be so needy is it right for us to need so much 
And I realized that I had grown up in a culture where that was wrong for us to admit our need, that somehow we needed to be strong in every moment, and that proved something or other, and I realized all that was wrong, and I said, no, honey, it is not wrong for us to need this much, and it is not wrong for us to need even more. We have a need for, the, for God the Father to love us constantly, and that is part of our weakness. We will always be weak in that sense, and we'll always need, and love will always have to find us in that weakness, and the key is that once we realize this weakness, it is that we stand with Jesus. This is the first step, standing in our weakness with Jesus. I'm going to stand with you. That's what we say. And that's what it means to be a Christian. I say I am weak, but Jesus, I am going to stand with you because you stood for me. You identified with me when you were baptized. You were saying, I am one with you. I'm one of you. I'm one with humankind. I have entered into your weakness then we can go on to pay then he could go on to pay the complete price for our sins and so that we could be forgiven and the first thing that we do then is say i must stand with jesus i must be forgiven with, for my sins i must stand with jesus and be redeemed the first step is always to be redeemed because when we stand with jesus we are redeemed and that is when the Christian life begins. It's when you stand with him in those baptismal waters because when John the Baptist said to Jesus, I don't need, I don't need to baptize you. You need to be baptizing me. This is for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus answered and said, we need to fulfill all righteousness. And what was he doing to fulfill righteousness? He is standing in the River Jordan in the waters of repentance saying, I am one of you, and I am going to die for you. And the starting point for receiving God's love is when we stand with Him. I stand with you, Jesus, in the waters of repentance because I am weak. I need a Savior. I am weak. I need love. And that is the starting place where we stand, but we have to keep going and stand with Him. That is what it is to be a Christian, to keep following Jesus, to keep standing with Him in that place, constantly acknowledging our weakness. That is what a Christian is, and we are always acknowledging our weakness. I need you, Jesus. I need you more, which leads to saying, I need more of you, Holy Spirit, which leads to saying, I need more of your love, Father, and this is the beginning when love finds you. And so Jesus is standing there praying in his weakness, and that leads to the second moment, which is the seeking of the Father. How do I know the Father was seeking Jesus? I know the Father was seeking Jesus because the text says, the heavens were torn open. What does that mean? What unseen, whose unseen hands were tearing open the fabric of heaven to come and meet Jesus? It was the Father's hands. It's the same word used 
for the rending of the, of the temple veil, the rending of the temple curtain. It was torn open. Whose unseen hands tore open those curtains seeking His Son on the moment of the cross? It was that love. And that's a beautiful picture of God's first love. You see, it's, it's God has been moving in love toward us since the beginning of time and preparing for that moment when Jesus was in his moment of weakness, me in my moment of weakness, he's already moving toward us and arranging things so that we know that he is seeking us in that moment and love is finding us. And then the third movement is the sending of the Spirit. So so, he saw the heavens torn open and he saw the Spirit descending like a dove. What happens when the Spirit comes upon him? We know that in Acts 10 it says that he was anointed with the Holy Spirit, had power. It's power and love. Love and power come upon us. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. I wish I had more time to talk about that. We'll have a whole year to talk about the Holy Spirit. The fourth movement is, is also wonderful, and that is the securing of our heart in the Father's love. And that's why Jesus heard those words. Father comes to do just that. He comes to secure the heart of Jesus, as, and Jesus had an experience of the Father's love. I believe He felt it, and we can certainly say that He heard it. What does the Father say? The most powerful thing He can say, I love you. I love you? He knew that intellectually. Certainly. But he needed to hear it emotionally. Brennan Manning has these words, has some words that like this. That says, I believe that at some point in the ministry of Jesus, he felt a presence and power of God's love in a way that burst all previous emotional experience. Then it happens. Whatever the external manifestations, the baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan was an awesome personal experience. The heavens were split. The Spirit descends in the form of a dove. Jesus hears the words, You are my Son, my Beloved. On you my favor rests. What an earthquake in the human soul of Jesus. So when love finds us, we experience the love of the Father. We feel it. And in one way or another, we hear it. God speaks to us in so many ways. And the fifth movement is this. When love finds us, it leads us to sharing that love. How do I know that? Well, I know because of all the rest of the ministry of Jesus. He was powerfully touched by the power and love of God, and he shared it. You know, what we receive freely, we freely give. We don't hold on to it. What we work hard to earn, we hold on to tightly. So I'm going to ask us what we, what, we, what we receive freely, we give freely without any problem. What we work hard to earn, we hold on to tightly. So the call today is for us to get in touch with our need, right? <laughs> get in touch with the Father's love, to hear His affirmation, to receive the, the, the Spirit, to know that it's, put, it's, it's sending us out there with something that's that's, un, that's sustainable because it's, it's, 
it, it can't be run out. It's, it, it's, I can only think in a Spanish word right now. So I, <laughs> inagotable, without, you can't run it out. Huh? Yeah, without measure. So I want to I ask you to stand up and we'll, we'll have some, some time in ministry. Come on up, ministry team. I think we need to wrap this up fairly soon. Land the plane. Thank you so much for hearing this this morning. And I pray that as we are closing out the service today, that you have sensed, and ministry team come on up, that you sensed that love is finding you. That a lot of events have conspired to bring you to this very moment today, 2016. And that you look back over the last year and you think of those moments of weakness, those periods of weakness and anxiety and difficulty when you were in touch with your weakness. And if you're a believer, you know that in one way or another, God's love was finding you. Maybe you weren't conscious of it. Maybe there wasn't anything you did to merit it or receive it. You know, prayer certainly isn't a thing that puts us into a a place of merit. It's simply that deep, theological cry of the heart help all the rest of it is adornment that's what we're doing when we're praying crying for help because we know we need God and the amazing thing is that God's love for you has been moving toward you from eternity and meets you and finds you in those moments And today he wants to also send, remind you that he is sending his love, he's sending his power, send the Holy Spirit upon you. I don't know what your need is, whether today you're facing anxiety and and you just need to come down here and stand with Jesus. I don't know whether you need someone to lay hands on you and, and receive the power of the Holy Spirit or you just need to hear the affirmation of the Father. I love you. Before you do anything, I'm well pleased with you as you stand with Jesus. I don't know whether you need to have a sense of power and to go out from here with with a sense of mission and purpose, whatever it is, or if it's just physical healing or emotional touch from the Lord, just whatever it is, just respond. We have brothers and sisters down here to pray with you or turn to someone next to you. Let's let's worship.